Conquered by Christ. This is part three of that particular message. And I want to encourage you that if you have not been able to listen to the previous ones, then please do that. They are available on podcast. And I believe that God is speaking very clearly to our hearts in a way which is life-giving. He is the giver of life. Every word that he speaks is actually from that source of eternal life. And today we're going to conclude this message. Our Bible quote for today is the one that we've had for the last two weeks, taken from Psalm 51, which, as I've explained before, is really a prayer of David. David, you will know, it was the shepherd boy who God anointed as king of Israel. And a lot of the Psalms that we have in our Bible are records of songs that he wrote and prayers that he wrote. And Psalm 51 is one of those prayers. And it's a prayer that David spoke out to the Lord in response to conviction that came into his heart for a sin that he had committed. He didn't just steal his brother's coat. He didn't just lie about something. The Bible tells us very clearly that on one occasion he lusted after a woman that was not his wife. He saw her as she was bathing and he wanted her for his own and he took her. He committed adultery and he moved on from that to where he positioned this lady's husband on the front lines of the military forces that were at war and basically put him in a position where he was going to get killed and did get killed. And God is so loving to us. His love is so perfect that when we as his people, when we allow sin a place in our heart, God does not withdraw from us. God does not get offended at us. God does not leave us to fend for ourselves. God pursues us with his undying, his perfect love for us. And for David, a man was sent to him to bring conviction by the Spirit of God into his heart as to what he had done as to how he had let sin take root in his heart. And Psalm 51 is his response to God. I want you to read it and read it and read it. It's a beautiful psalm. And it shows us so much truth in how when we will come before God in true repentance, God himself, God himself, will not only cleanse our hearts, but he gives us a new heart. And here David says, For you, speaking to God, do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it to you. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. 
Previously, we've taken time to open up in depth exactly what that means. In short, when David says that God requires and desires of us and he will not despise, he speaks about this, a broken and a contrite heart or spirit. A heart that has opened itself to sin and allowed sin to have its place in our heart. This is what God desires, that that that, that heart is broken. And that word means to be crushed, to be wrecked, to be shattered, and to be collapsed. Listen, beyond the place of being repaired. My friends, listen, when we allow sin to come into our hearts, God does not come in and repair our hearts. He doesn't just fix them. What God looks for is a heart that is broken, crushed, shattered to the point where it cannot be repaired. And a heart that will cry out to God, God, create in me a clean heart, a new heart. And that is what God will do. Why is it that we sometimes allow our hearts to get so crusted and hardened with sin that we will not allow Christ in his grace and his love and his mercy to come into our hearts and allow that crushing process, that breaking process to take place. Why? Why is that so? My friends, sometimes it's because of ignorance. It's because we've been educated wrong. We have thought that what we simply need to do is say sorry to God and God will fix it. God will somehow cover that over as if it didn't exist. But my friends, what God needs to do and what we need God to do is to deal with it at the very root to where it is no longer possible to repair it. But all that we can do is allow Christ in his amazing grace and love to crush that part of us that has been in rebellion to him to the point where all that there is that can happen is that God renews it for us and he makes it anew. Sometimes it's because we don't know what God is like. Sometimes it's because we're afraid of him. Sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you, it's because we like the sin. We like it. David said in in that psalm of this sin that he had committed, he said, Lord, that sin, my sin, haunts me day and night. And sometimes our sin doesn't haunt us. We enjoy it. It brings us a greater pleasure than our appreciation of God. And we like it. And so we hold on to it. And it constantly separates us in our relationship with God. There are a number of reasons why we will not allow Christ to conquer us. I pray the Holy Spirit convicts us of every time when there's something that we can do to respond to God. And so as we started to look at previously We saw this, that Christ conquers my heart and life when my heart's desire and my choice is always 
And then we've started to look at four things. Previously, that my heart's choice, my heart's desire is to always embrace true repentance. I'm not going to take time to go through these again in detail. You'll have to listen to the podcast. But true repentance is so different to simply saying, I'm sorry, God. Even difference to saying, God, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Repentance is where we allow the weight of that sin and the work of Christ to be so devastating to that sin that it can no longer exist. Repentance is where there is a change of heart and therefore a change of action. And that way round, it isn't a change of action first. How many of you don't put your hands up? (laughs) Yeah, we've all tried that. Yeah, we've tried to change the, the outward workings, to change our behavior, to change the way we are, the things we say and the things we do. And, and, and it's my guarantee, as it was when I was like that, it doesn't work. It's false, it's a veneer, and it's all about what I can do. And I can do nothing of any eternal value. Religion tells you to change the way you look and your behavior. Christ says, let me change your heart in true repentance. The second thing is that there needs to be a full surrender. I've said this to you a couple of times now, and it is so true. In a military sense, when when one side, one warring side against another, realizes that it, it has no chance to become victorious, it will surrender to that power which is more powerful that will eventually overcome. And now often the two, the two nations or the two warring parties will come together and there will be what is called conditions of surrender. And the surrendering party forms these conditions and says, on these basis, on these conditions, we agree to surrender to you. My friends, don't get caught and stuck in the trap to thinking that we can come to God with conditional surrender. I I feel that within the body of Christ, this is one of the biggest problems that we experience. We We recognize that the Spirit of God convicts us and our response is to come to God and say, God, I'll surrender if. And here is the truth, my friends. We have nothing to put in the if. We have nothing to give. Nothing. I'm going to read a verse to you from the Bible in in just a few moments that will confirm this. We have nothing to give. We have nothing to bring onto a a conditional surrender table. What God is asking for is complete, absolute, full surrender. In a military sense, it's seen that surrender is an evidence of weakness and defeat. But as Linroy mentioned to us so accurately earlier, when it comes to us surrendering to Christ It is not only the best thing that we can do, it really is the only thing. 
all else other than that simply puts a band-aid over the situation. It creates a veneer. It creates a pretense. And we walk around with this false sense of security that that has been dealt with within my heart. But all we've done is we've come in partial surrender to God. My friends, there needs to become a conviction of the Spirit of God upon the body of Christ such that we recognize that we have nothing that we can offer in terms of conditions of our surrender. And that it is the grace of God that God himself is willing to take us as we are Just as I am, without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. My friends, that's the only plea that we have. That's the only plea. The blood of Jesus Christ. Anything of of ourself has no value. It has no ability to redeem us. We have nothing to bring to God and say, God, look, surely you will look upon this as good and have mercy on me. God says, depart from me. You're a worker of iniquity. My friends, all we have, but it is sufficient, is the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we fully surrender to him, And as we recognize and as we acknowledge before God our absolute emptiness and valuelessness and void of anything that we can bring to God of any value whatsoever. And our hearts are utterly broken before him. Then the blood of Jesus becomes something of eternal value to us. But my friends, it must be a full surrender. It cannot be a joint. It cannot be that we're mixing our ability, our so-called and perceived goodness together with the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Christ on its own. Anything else that we try to mix with it only pollutes it, contaminates it. And we never walk in the freedom, strength and purpose that God has has given to us in Christ Jesus. Can you hear me this morning? It's a full surrender. The third thing, this is a new point for us today. Are you with me? Are you letting the Holy Spirit minister into your hearts this morning? The third thing that's important that we have, that we desire and we choose in our hearts, is to receive Spirit-inspired faith. Salvation Any part of it and all of it is not of anything that we can do. We are saved by faith through grace and that's not of ourselves. We live by faith that is a gift of God by his Holy Spirit. When, when the notes here before us say faith inspired, the word inspire, inspiration, is not referring to a good idea. Sometimes we, we declare, I've just had an incredible inspiration. We've had a good idea. 
That's not the meaning of this word. The word inspired here means breathed in. When man was made by God, he was formed out of the dust of the earth. And the Bible tells us that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The, the literal translation in the Hebrew there is God inspired man. He breathed into him his life. In the New Testament, there's a similar word that talks about the word of God. Oh, I pray you read your Bibles. It is God's word. I would say if you have to choose between reading that and anything else, every time, choose God's word. The Bible says that it is the inspired word of God. God spoke to men. He breathed into their hearts his living word. And therefore they wrote down those living words of God. This is what I'm talking about. Spirit inspired. Where the spirit himself breathes into our hearts. The gift of faith. My friends, faith is not something that we can manufacture. Did you hear me? You can't make it happen. There's nothing that we do in terms of practical, literal, human, physical, even mental things that will ever create faith. Uh, you, you can read so many amazing stories and testimonies, but my friends, they are not the source of faith. They can encourage us in our faith. They can enable us to believe that God will give us faith. But my friends, the Spirit of God is the one who gives us faith. It isn't earned. It isn't worked for. It isn't deserved. It isn't a reward. So many people in the body of Christ believes that faith is a reward. My friends, it's a gift. It's a gift. And, and all we need to do in simplicity and sincerity is say, God, please give me your faith. And God will. It takes God's faith at work in us to be able to experience Christ conquering our hearts. Or else we try to do it ourselves. We try to work it ourselves. We, we read the verse in the Bible that, that you and I have shared together so many times when Jesus said, now if you want to come after me, if you want to be one of my disciples, then you must deny yourself. And we think, well, the way then for me to experience Christ in my life more and more is to deny myself of all these worldly pleasures. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but my friends, that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus said you must deny self. Self. You see, self is in opposition to God. There's nothing good in it.
I've said that so many times. I'm going to read that verse in a moment. I've said that so many times and, 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 and I don't try to offend people. But I have seen so many people take offense at that when I say there's nothing good in us, in self. And, and people get offended because they spend so long trying to improve self. Trying to make self good. Trying to discipline themselves. Trying to change behaviors, to change lifestyle habits, to change the way you think, the, the way you speak. There's nothing good in self. It constantly and forever will be the enemy of God. And we cannot, we cannot of ourselves manufacture faith. It is the gift of God by his spirit. In your own devotion time, please take your Bible, read through Romans chapter 8 again. We love Romans, don't we? And there the Bible tells us how that the spirit of God The Spirit of God himself dwells within the heart of every believer in all his fullness. My friends, we don't have to go anywhere to get faith. Because the Spirit of faith dwells Within us, the Spirit of God in all of His fullness. Without a dependency upon the Spirit of God to put within our hearts the faith, that ability, that unhuman ability to believe God's Word. Without that, my friends, God's word is just an impossible challenge set before us. It becomes a life manual. This is the way you should be to glorify God. And we pick it up and we read it. We feel this is how I should be. And so we grit our teeth. We pull our spiritual socks up. We make a resolution. We promise ourselves. We promise God. God, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to be like this. And we fail. And the cycle goes round and round and round. And you know some people jump off that cycle because they say this is impossible. It is unreal. All I'm doing is ending up feeling Utterly and totally hopeless and a failure. And I say, yes, that's all it produces. That's all it produces. And my friends, that is not what God has called us to be. That's not how he has called us to live. He has given his spirit who dwells in his fullness within us. That his spirit may bring as he unites with our spirit. He may infuse And fill our hearts with faith 
in God and his word. That when God speaks, there is this supernatural ability to believe it. Because my friends, it's no good trying to live God's word if it doesn't dwell in our hearts. It simply becomes a list of rules that you know and I know are impossible to keep. But when the spirit of faith fills and floods our hearts with faith, then we know that it's not by me, not by my might, not by my power, but it is by the working of the Holy Spirit in me that I can yield. I can surrender self to the almighty God and see his ways fulfilled through me. I wonder how many of us are about ready to jump off this crazy, crazy cycle because it doesn't work. My friends, jump off, jump off and jump into the arms of God. Jump into that place of union in fellowship with God where his spirit fills and floods your heart with faith. You say, does that place exist? Yes, yes, it does. And it's available for everyone. For whom the spirit of God dwells within. But we've got to allow. And we've got to desire that Christ comes in. And he conquers our heart. He conquers self. That he reigns. My friends he will not share that throne. With self. Why? Because it doesn't work. The Bible says, what union, what fellowship is there between light and dark, between Christ and the devil, between death and life? There is none. There is none. There is no common ground between those. And God cannot respond to us when we say, God, will you come and sit on on the throne of my life and, and I'll push some of these things across so there's room for both of you? Christ says, no, no, we cannot coexist, cohabit. My friends, it must be by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us that faith comes into our hearts. And since we are his children, the Bible says, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in that glory, we must also share In his suffering. My friends, as children of God, we are heirs of everything that God has given to us and given to Christ. The Bible says, as Christ was in this world, so are we. In the fullness of the Spirit of God, dwelling within our hearts, we can experience that complete surrender that Christ did in his heart towards the will of his Father. Fourth and last thing. There must be constant surrender to the Lordship of Christ. My friends, surrender is not just a one-off experience. Every single day, we have opportunities when that which is opposed to God fights to take its place in the throne of our hearts. When we can let self exalt itself above God himself. And our lives 
our lives under the power of the Holy Spirit must be this constant surrendering to the authority of God reigning in our hearts. Now listen, here is that verse I've been speaking to. Romans chapter 7. If you're familiar with that chapter, you'll know that in this chapter, you, you sense something of the frustration of Paul where he can see the things that he needs to do. But of himself, he cannot do it. You ever been there? Good place to be. If we'll then let God step in and take over. And Paul comes to this startling revelation. That all of us need to come to. For I know that nothing good lives in me. That is In my flesh, my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity. For the willingness to do good is present in me, but the doing of good is not. And here is a man, just like you and I, except that he was very educated. He had a very high social standing. He was respected and recognized by his peers like very few people were. And he came to this place where the Spirit of God brought such conviction that he said, I know that nothing. Listen, he didn't say there's not much good in me. He didn't say that there's less than 50% of me which is good. Is that enough, God? Is that, is that what you want in terms of surrender? No. He said there is, there is nothing. Nothing. And we would go to secular counselors. Please excuse me. I, I have the greatest respect for those people that seek to help us. But, but secular counselors will tell us that if we start to adopt an attitude like that, We're starting to turn against ourselves. We're digging a hole for ourselves. It's the sure path that will lead to oppression and depression when we think that there's nothing good in us. And and they want us to, to pump ourselves up. And they want us to recognize that there is good in us. But my friends, all that does is build a facade that has no life in it, but only death. Because my friends... Self only ever leads to death. And I'm not sorry to anybody who's listening. If this is hard to hear because you feel that you are a good person. Someone has to love you enough to tell you the truth. There's nothing, nothing in you. Nothing that you can do, nothing about the natural you that is of any value or good whatsoever. It will only ever lead you away from God. I don't want people to write on my gravestone if that happens, if Jesus doesn't come first. He was a good man. I don't want that. I don't know that I want a gravestone. My granddad said, he said, when I die, just throw me in a ditch. Don't waste money on graves and gravestones. I think that's pretty good, good thinking. I don't want to be remembered as a good man. With good ways and good morals. 
No, I don't even care if nobody remembers my name. Because I have nothing good in me. I want people to see Jesus and remember him. Let me take you to our last verse today. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Paul again speaking. Paul says, I, (laughs) me, the human, the sinful, the self, me, humanity, I have been crucified with Christ. Have you been crucified with Christ? You know that? Do you know that? That is, that is what happens when we become a Christian. For I have been crucified with Christ. I, the human, the self, the me, no longer lives. But now, it's Christ living in me. Constant surrender. Christ is the one who lives in me. And through me. I was reading one of my very favorite books. I was reading some of it last night and again last week. And there's a beautiful simple phrase in there. That clearly defines what surrender to God is. Conversion. True conversion. True salvation. Whatever term we may use. True salvation. Is when a heart has surrendered its will fully to the will of God. It's no longer I that live. Our world encourages us from every direction to exalt self to better self, to improve self, to, to build our self-esteem, to build in our own opinion the value that we have. The gospel message actually tells us to do the absolute reverse. For as long as we depend at all on self, we are not surrendering to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Paul says, this is what's happened to me. That part of me, that old sinful nature, that humanity, it was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in this human body, how do I live it? How? By my own abilities, my own strength, my own goodness. No, I live by faith. Faith. I live by faith. I'm trusting, implicitly, completely trusting, depending and relying upon the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My friends, have you been conquered by Christ? I'm not, I'm not asking, have you, did you kneel down once and pray a, a sinner's prayer? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, have you yielded utterly your whole self to God? That's when Christ reigns. That's when Christ conquers and rules in our hearts. And that is what the Holy Spirit has been given to each of us. That his power, 
enables us to live in that place where now Christ lives in us and through us by the gift of faith that God gives to us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're very careful to give you all the glory and all the praise, recognizing that you alone are worthy of praise and honor. Father, your message to us, thank you, is not that we get down on ourselves and we dig ourselves into these depressive holes, but God, where we simply allow Christ to reign in our hearts as he crucifies our old nature on his cross and we allow your spirit to live and reign through us by faith. Lord, you know exactly where every single one of us are. And Lord, it is our desire, it's my prayer, Lord God, that you continue to speak by your spirit that you can lead us into ways of everlasting, eternal life. That our experience, every moment of every day, is that Christ lives in us and through us. And this, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.